I might be a little tipsy already. It's um, a good yeah. chance. This this might this this episode may have started halfway through a bottle of something. Yeah. So just a reminder for those listening, we're, we've now broken up our episodes. We're recording them two at a time. So uh, we've already got a an hour and change worth of drinking under us, and we both came with hard stuff. Yeah. Don't try this Cheers. at home, kids. Drink responsibly. Yes. For Drink God's responsibly. sake, don't drive. Oh, um, so uh, 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 in our in the episode that is lost, uh, there was a game. I don't remember if I actually got to to talk about it as I was reading the list of three hundred games when I was supposed to have one. Um, but there was a game called I think it was called Stunt Car Driver or Stunt Driver, something like that. You'd probably recognize it if you saw it. You 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 build your own track, and it's it's literally just a track that looks kind of like a roller coaster, except it's a roller coaster sort mm-hmm. of framework with pavement on top. And it, this was back in, I think it originally came out in the 486 days. So it's d- don't go looking for it. It's awful. Uh, but my cousin and I, when I was, I mean, I had my first jobs. So I think it was like 18. No, I was definitely 19 because it's illegal to drink when you're 18. Um, But what we would do on a Friday night is we would get 24 beer between the two of us and we would pick a track and we would pick a car and we would take turns trying to set a record for for times driving around the track. And then we'd have a couple of drinks and we'd try again. And then we'd have a couple of drinks and try again. And there was an interesting sort of progression as you go along. You start off sober, your times aren't that great. Because you're trying really hard, right? And honestly, I'm I'm not a great fast driver. I have no frame of reference for doing it right. I've literally improved a ton since playing uh, Need for Speed Porsche Unleashed with you. Um, but it, there was this interesting sort of curve as you start off sober and your times are bad. And then as you're drinking a little bit, your times get better because you're relaxed and you're just, just sort of going for fun. You crash more. So don't do this in real life. Video games only. Uh, but your times would get better when you did finish until a certain point where you've had too many and you cannot finish anymore. We never stopped trying. <laughs> you launch yourself into space and just sort of, <laughs> I crashed. Wee! Open another beer. Similar story uh, in the town that I grew up in. During my time in high school, we had two sort of arcades in the town. One was actually an arcade and the other one was like an old school pool hall that had arcade games in it. And they wouldn't sell alcohol to minors, but if you brought alcohol in, they just didn't care. And I remember many of evenings hanging out with a couple of friends of mine, bringing alcohol in or probably we were totally 19 and not like, you know, 16, 17 at the time. Exactly. Playing. And it would have been old at the time, but the uh, arcade cabinet version of RC Pro-Am. Is that the the one with the trucks? Uh, Yeah. The, the little radio controlled trucks, but like the the Nintendo version. Spin the wheel. Yeah. Okay. I know the one you mean. And that was a game that where you, when you're a little bit loose, yep. you played it much better. But like, it was a five minute window. Oh yeah, there's a there's a fine line. Silly. There's a fine line between I can drive real good and 
<laughs> I don't think we ever got to that line, but uh, we got beyond the stupid line numerous times. Yeah. I mean, I'll, but listen, bottles of alcohol are full of giggles if you're doing it right. It's it's like sure. bubble juice, except it's giggles. Be responsible, kids. Yeah. I, I imagine the median age of anybody listening to our show has to be 45 50? or 50. Yeah. <laughs> yeah probably. Dadrick is, is um, he's mature. Let's just say that. Because uh, I think I think Lionel and I are the same age, so his his dad would be in his seventies, I would guess, late sixties or so. Anyway, yeah, the other people I know that listen are are probably between thirty five and fifty. So, yeah, yeah, this is a show for the youths. <laughs> yeah, so clearly, yeah. Listen, kids, yeah. we've got we've got some wisdom to impart to you. They don't care. I mean, did we care? Do you, like, do you remember this? This is a funny thing, right? Like I'm, I'm going to be 50 in a few months and oh, I say in a few months, I guess it's six months, but I remember, I specifically remember listening to my dad tell me stuff and going, man, you're, you got no clue. You're so dumb. You don't know what life is like. You don't know me, man. And in certain aspects, I was right. Like he didn't have a clue. Like his experience mm-hmm. in life was very different from mine. But there's some stuff that he told me that I dismissed in the same way that now I'm like, you know, he was probably right. I think that's part of the human condition. Yep. I think everybody has a, has a similar story. Yeah, but you don't realize that until it's too damned late. <sighs> we get too soon old and too late smart. <laughs> So we're going to talk about book two of the King Killer Wait, Chronicles today. I think I think because it is a new episode, we do actually have to go over what are we drinking again. Oh, um, yes, is the answer. Yeah, pretty much. I would really uh, like to know what this is because Cindy called it a brown cow, but I don't think it is. It's not a brown cow. Brown cow is uh, uh, Kahlua and milk. Is it? Yeah. What's a mudslide? Mudslides have Kahlua in it too, right? Yeah, but I want to say they they're like milkshake almost, like So, for for people listening and people watching, I have vodka and I have chocolate flavor syrup. I'm literally turning my desk into a cocktail bar. I have cream and uh See, the cream is your mistake there. And I have a glass. I have I got I got mm, I got nothing, man. I'm Your chocolate Chocolate syrup. It's a liqueur, though, right? Like it's alcohol. No, no, no. Oh. The cho- It's sugar-free chocolate coffee. It's flavor syrup for coffee. It's just what I have. It's weak sauce. I mean, I'm I'm a lightweight. We've established that, right? <laughs> no, you're just old. That we've established. Well, yes. Uh, I am I, drinking. I am also a lightweight. Black Russians. So. The only thing I'm going to mix with my alcohol is more alcohol. Alcohol. Vodka and clue. <laughs> Which might alcohol. be why I'm going to be a little bit beyond tipsy by the time we're done this show. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not like you have to go to work tomorrow, right? <laughs> <laughs> or later mm. today. Yeah. How late are we going to go, man? Just, Cheers, everyone. Just, 
just one more game of uh of age of empires yeah one more round oh jesus <laughs> now to be fair often we were saying that at like 3 a.m that's just one true. more just one more i'm not ready for sleep yet <laughs> oh oh to be young again yeah remember when you could do that no and then go to work be like day two of a land party 36 plus hours in yeah you know you might Stopping. have nodded off while eating pizza at one point <laughs> for five minutes yeah you stop at uh eggs are us which is a restaurant that doesn't even exist anymore have two eggs and a cup of coffee and some toast and go oh, i'm good to work man i'm good mm -hmm. and we did it we did there's a reason we weren't paid very much we didn't care and we didn't really put in any it's kind true. of effort also true yeah so before we get into our book report i do want to talk about video games just a little bit i used to be an adventurer like you stay a while and listen do you need me to bring up my list would you <laughs> I can. I think I still no, have it. Hang on. Don't, because you're going to start reading it. <laughs> it's not very long. Just one more, one more list. Just one more Just list. One more, one more decade full of games. <laughs> you, you finally got through the 90s and into the early aughts. Uh, Finished your homework. No, I, I, I want to just take a brief moment. I'm not going to get into a ton of detail. You and I have spoken about it in our, our first official Nerding Under the Influence meetup. And I tried to do this in the episode that did not make it to air. But I owe Baldur's Gate 3 an apology. Now, it's one of those apologies that involves a but in the middle. So it's not much of an apology. Everything I said about the control scheme and how absolutely awful it was, still true. I remapped a bunch of controls, um, and now for context, I'm playing the PC version because that's the one that's out, but I'm not playing with a controller. I was tempted to play it with a controller because when you're playing with a controller and you're using your stick, you get the sort of control that you would have playing a game like Diablo, for instance, with a controller where you're moving the same as WASD keys would. But when you're playing it with keyboard and mouse, WASD don't doesn't move your character it moves moves your camera relative to whatever character that it was locked on and of course you're clicking around and there aren't even bindings available like optional bindings in the menu to control active or selective character movement and divinity original sin 2 as i mentioned in, in like the last episode that i aired had the same sort of setup and i bounced off of that game Despite all that, Baldur's Gate 3 is a fantastic game. If you have an interest in, in just playing like a, a game that feels like a complete game, but also feels like tabletop in a way that no D&D &D or D&D &D adjacent game has before, you got to play it. It's fantastic. You know, it has some warts here and there. I'm not playing it on a high-spec machine. I'm playing it on my machine downstairs, which is seven or eight years old at this point was decent at the time that I built it, but 
runs surprisingly well, aside from some some load times. I got a shitty SSD in that one, so definitely doing things like hitting quick save. Just you know, everybody starts t posing and sliding across the screen for about thirty seconds. But beyond <laughs> that, no major performance problems. It's fantastic. I know you said you were on the fence about playing it. You were going to buy it, but then you were going to hold off. I know it's not in your budget. You got to get it, man. I I will run it past the um, the counselor of the exchequer. Um, so on a related note, I started playing Baldur's Gate 1, Enhanced Edition. I got mm. as far as the door of the inn. I haven't opened it yet. That took me 45 minutes. Not not because it it needed to, but because for some reason going through character creation, I'm like, what is this? Oh, if I did that, then I could do. Oh no, go back two steps. Okay, so what if I do this? Should should I do this or that? What race should I be? What class should I be? How does this work in second edition again? That's the thing. the The character yeah. creation process in BG three is, I mean, it's basically five e, right? Like there's there's yeah. some minor you know, adjustments, but the process is basically like filling out a character sheet. Not quite as, as streamlined as using something like um, uh, the Roll20 Character Mancer or, or uh, D&D Beyond. But um, at the same time, there's a little bit more hand-holding, you know? Mm-hmm. So just to kind of take you step by step. And um, you're not only making your character, you're making a, sort of a guardian character that isn't really explained initially. And you have the option to completely respec all of your other characters too. I didn't realize that when I started playing, but you have these companion oh. sort of NPCs that have their own stories and yada yada yada. But you can respec them. Huh. I haven't done yeah, it yet, I... but I, I've got a, a, a the cleric character in it. I think I'm going to go life domain with. Um, she's uh, trickery. What the uh, trickery? I forget what it's. Uh, the subclasses, but huh. not particularly useful given my party makeup. I, I am definitely going to play the game at some point. It's probably just not going to be until the first time it goes on sale. Likely probably Christmas. be a while for that. I mean, it doesn't have to be a big sale. It just has to be enough that I can I can make a case for hey, you know, we we have some some spare cash hanging around because I'm not playing golf every day now, you know mid-october when it snows for the first time mm. well if they're going to get their money eventually then probably not a big deal if you find a copy floating around the high seas and... i would never do that because that's wrong that's a topic for another show yes that is a topic for a serious show when we haven't already been drinking for an hour yep that's all I wanted to do. I wanted to talk about Baldur's Gate 3 just to say, hey, it's a fantastic game that has one big flaw. Play it anyway. Uh, you'll get over it. And and I, I don't want to say I'm used to it. You know, like I still notice the inconvenient controls, but I've adjusted enough that it doesn't doesn't significantly impact my experience. And I'm finding not just an amazing game and like a weird, complete game, you know, uh, I'm I'm used to in today's day and age have you know, oh where's the 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 premium shop that's trying to sell me DLC and and experience 
uh, buffs and, and battle passes and cosmetics. I, I pre-ordered it the day before it came out because I heard that if you did pre-order it, uh, Larian was automatically upgrading you to the digital deluxe edition, which they did. And there's no badgering. There's no, no hard upsell. It's a double whammy of this game feels like something from the past where somebody just made a full featured game. You bought it once and they gave it to you. And also uh, like a, a really slow turn-based game in an era where other games that were like historically turn-based are moving away from it, like Final Fantasy. You know, that franchise is becoming a, a, an action like Devil May Cry kind of uh, video game series now. And, you know, JRPGs weren't even like slow turn-based in the same way that the, the sort of American and Western CRPGs were. Yeah. But there's times now, like, you know, where we're like one turn in combat, like D&D, right? Where I'm, I can sit there and weigh my options. It's nice because I'm not like holding up the group if I'm playing it single player. Mm-hmm. So I can take my time. I can, I can do the player, you know, the player at the table who's not prepared and didn't start <laughs> thinking about they wanted what they wanted to do until it was their turn. You can do that. And, I feel and, attacked. Yeah. <laughs> I think every player has done that at some point. At least. Some more than others. But anyway, that's just it. Uh, we'll get into the, the, the meat of the show, which is talking about... Oh, before we, before we get to that, I, I would like to say, uh, one of the things, because I, I, I really enjoyed when it originally came out, uh, Neverwinter Nights 2. Um, and I tried to play it multiplayer at one point, and it was just like, I was playing as a cleric, and it was impossible because you're trying to play it as a like an action RPG, but you have this massive list of spells. And it's like, well, no, I have to stop and choose my spell. Like I have a couple that are sort of, you know, quick fire on, on hotkeys or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it can be done, but it was it was not quick or intuitive to set up. Like it's the kind of thing that needs to be done as uh as 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 turn based. Gonna mm-hmm. mute that. I don't know if you could hear that. Uh, I heard something. Yeah. No biggie. Motion detector on the cameras. Uh, Speaking of which, I'm going to actually take an opportunity to plug our YouTube channel here. Uh, When we had our meetup um, the other day, we talked about potentially playing games together and Mm -hmm. maybe doing something with that. Again, not something that's going to fit the the podcast, so you probably won't find it in those feeds. Uh, But if you're interested in us playing some games, shooting some dudes, casting some spells, whatever it is. We were thinking about uh, getting into one of the Neverwinter Nights games, uh, maybe as our first kick at the can. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Same name, Nerding Under the Influence. Um, if we do anything, you'll probably find it there. Um, uh, Postal 3 would be a fun one to do as a let's play and then show people as we're playing. I don't know if you can do it um, multiplayer, though. No, I, I have know. no idea. No idea. It's not really important. I just, I like the game because you can hit things with a shovel and it makes a realistic sound. Spang! <laughs> I remember the first Postal and how, oh, I mean, it was controversial. intentionally controversial, right? But like, yep. 
it was a game that that really really for its time went over the top it was actually a fun game you know despite yeah yeah it was a what it was game. going for and it wasn't actually like uh uh like post columbine you know people were pretty sensitive about games that were you know, overtly violent overtly violent but in a way that was you know it wasn't like a, a combat simulator it was more of a murder simulator kind of thing yeah and while there's a certain aspect of that in the postal games it was very tongue-in-cheek and silly um the the game that i would compare it to in a completely different genre was the flat out series of of racing oh God, games racing yeah you know. smash up derby Smash up derby, like the the best part of the flat out games was the mini games where you're ejecting your driver's body out your window and you know hitting targets or bowling or, or something like that. If you've never played flat out, do um, it. They've renamed. I can't remember if it was flat out two. They released it under a different name uh, as a re release, and then the same developer made another game that I haven't actually played yet called Wreckfest, I believe. That we should huh. try sometime if it has multiplayer mode. Yeah, we should. It was a good land party game, though. It was. Yeah, it was a great land party game. Because everybody could get into it. You didn't need to practice a whole bunch. You just literally show up and crash a lot, and it was fun. It was fun to lose. That's the mark of a good game. If it's you true. can lose and still have fun, that's a good game. Well, do you want to talk about this book for an hour? Yeah, let's do that. A book? That's right. When I was your age, television was called books. And this is a special book. I need, before we start talking about the book, I have to talk about that audio bit. Because it's so funny to hear Peter Fox say, when I was your age, they called television books. And I'm thinking like, that is now a seriously dated reference. <laughs> when I was your age, we called TikTok the strip club. <laughs> uh, i don't i don't know what the reference would be now but i mean like does broadcast tv still exist for any anyone other than boomers um it does like for for people that are into the trash television oh like yeah. you know the, the, the reality tv and reality tv adjacent shit we have um we have Prime, and uh, one of the add-ons to it is, uh, I want to say Stardust, and that's not right. I forget what it is. But it's something. It's It's got a few different things on it, and it, it gives you ads. And one of the ads that comes up like between every show is Real Housewives of Somewhere. So mm -hmm. there's lots of trash on streaming, too. Yeah. yeah. You can always, always watch... History Channel for quality. Yeah. Or digging for a treasure that isn't there because we've been doing it for 20 years now. It's true. So a couple of episodes ago, we talked about The Name of the Wind by Patrick Rothfuss. And we, safe to say, we both pretty much loved it. It Great wasn't book. perfect, but it was really, really good. Uh, since that time, we've both made it through uh, The Wise Man's Fear, which is a much longer sequel. Uh, it was a little bit odd as a middle book for me. Um, 
originally we were going to do like a like a, a mid book check in, and I think mm-hmm. you got ahead to the point where you're pretty much done. I finished it like yesterday or the day before. So now we're doing kind of the 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 full but not full because we really haven't thought it out or, or prepped at all kind of review. Yeah. And we'll probably never talk about it again. Oh, probably not. I mean, hopefully we may, we may bring it up once an episode just to say, hey, Patrick, if you're listening, finish the third book, please. Just do it. Release it. You know what? Release it in alpha. I'll, I'll read it before you edit it. Just do it. Um, so what are your impressions of The Wise Man's Fear? I think very different than yours. I think you mostly liked it. Mostly. I didn't outright hate it. But I was incredibly disappointed with it. Uh, it had some real bright spots. It really, really did. Like it was, I, I wouldn't even say that it was bad. It was mostly yeah. okay with some really promising bits. Yep. But for me, it just wasn't enough to offset the parts that were real slog. And there was, there was a lot of parts that for me were real slog. There were a lot of the parts for me that, that felt padded. Like it, it was, have you ever, have you ever watched like the, the, uh, red letter media, we talk about them a lot. I mean, it's, it's funny. Have they ever come up as a, um, a parting gift? They should. Yeah. I think you tried to do them twice actually. Yeah. Well, if you don't subscribe to red letter media, just, just go watch best of the worst. It's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, but they talk about a, a lot, like there's a lot of sort of low budget films where it's like, we have a really strong idea and we know how to end it, but there's this middle bit of the story that we don't, we just don't know what to do. And a lot of this, a lot of the volume of this book, because it is, it is, it's not even a book. It's a volume. It has 152 chapters and it's, it's not, uh, it's not Roger Zelazny chapters where the the you know there's like 13 chapters that are four sentences each, like they're big. Like I don't know how many pages a, a real book would be, but I'm pretty sure that you know this book would stop a bullet. Uh, and like there was just there was some of it where it's like this this is fine, but there's too much of it, right? Uh, you you mentioned uh, when we were talking about it was it yesterday? Oh my mm-hmm. god, it was yesterday. Uh, that uh, you thought there was too much with him sort of with the Adam. And I didn't find that. Like, I thought that part was was okay. Mm-hmm. But the part where he was with, what's her name? I keep wanting to call her Facunda. It's not her name. <laughs> Falurian? Um, Falurian. Um, yeah. Because it's very much a take on um, the sort of fertility goddess type thing. That I was perfectly fine with that as a trope. It felt very much like, okay, come on now. Like we talked about the the Mary Sue nature of his main character. And that felt very much like, okay, like this is a little over the top. And I, I would have been okay with that, I think, if it was tightened up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Right? Like if somebody, if so, if an editor went at this book with a hacksaw and just started chopping it up, 
I think there's a really, really great and really tight and, story and in there. And that's the, the frustrating part of it, because the way it's constructed, like, mm-hmm. it's long. Mm-hmm. Like, I, 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 here's my conclusion. I'll, I'll read it first, and then I'll kind of go through. I do have a couple of points that I wrote down. It's not the detail, like, The Name of the Wind. I'm not going to quote the book here. But all told, I, I felt like it was five-ish short stories, three of which were extremely padded out with boring kind of repetitive nothingness that felt like they was sort of meeting some sort of obligation for word count. Uh, Several of the stories within the book I thought could have stood on their own, like as a novel or even a novella, if you'd added more meat to them. And I think the the, the problem is the padding felt like padding. It was repetitive. Yes. So I'm just going to kind of go through a chronological timeline. Spoilers, if you haven't read the book and you intend. I'm, I'm, I'm being harsh here. I'm being overly harsh. It comes from a place of love because I love the first book so much. And this book just, it wasn't the sequel I was hoping for. It had sequelitis. It had something. I, I, I honestly think it was, oh, I've got, you know, little outlines written for about five or six books, but I don't have a, a, the second book written. Let's just mash those together. Um, one of my gripes about the first book, and it was a very, very minor quip, is I just I felt it spent too much time at the school. Again, it padded some stuff out with that whole school atmosphere didn't really appeal to me. Uh, like, I'm not into the Harry Potter stuff. I don't look at post-secondary school with nostalgia. I mean, I did it as an adult, so that's probably a big thing. And where it ended off after the first book, I was like, oh, we're going to get out of the school pretty quickly in the second book and move on to, you know, other adventures. We've He's going to grow up. Painted the picture that this is a, a character that has done all kinds of cool shit. School was kind of the beginning of it. And there were some some mysteries and some threads that were established in the first book that didn't really get to be explored. And it's like, yeah, we're going to get in them. And we didn't. It took way too long in this book to get away from the school. There was a little heist, heist in quotation marks that I thought was fun. But at most, it was cool, but it came completely out of nowhere. And it was over like the minute that it started. Like, if if a lot of that little school, like, I don't know, 10, 20 chapters that were dedicated to, to that were leading up to that little heist thing. And there was, there was some tidbits. There was some nuggets that, like, oh, I remember where, you know, that came up in a conversation. You know, but you didn't connect the dots until the heist. It was, it was sort of like watching a, a, like an Oceans movie. Mm-hmm. Where, like, when you watch an Oceans movie, you you see all of these things, and then, like, the heist happens, and then you get to see what really happened. Right? Mm-hmm. All we got to see was, like, the last 20 minutes of the Oceans movie. We didn't get to see all the interesting sort of things that led up to it that were connected and gave the last 20 minutes all the context where it's like, <gasps> I saw that, and I know why it's clever now. There's, I, I want to build on that because there's a funny thing that because i i I enjoyed the book but i i definitely do see a lot of it's it feels stretched it feels stretched mr frodo i feel i feel sort of stretched thin um and what you've just described 
really brings up a disappointment for me because that that team up atmosphere for that sort of heist was was really good and if they if he had built on that and rolled forward with that and gone into like the fourth Harry Potter movie where uh Harry and Ron and Hermione are in the woods and they're trying to figure things mm-hmm. out and things now become more complicated that would have been an interesting story and it retroactively actually made the first book a little bit worse for me because the one thing that we both talked about as being a little bit disjointed was that whole thing with the Dracus. Yeah. Felt really disconnected from the, the three quarters of the book that we spent at school. And if this heist thing were the climax of that first book and they really... And then, yeah, yeah, flip those two. Now, I, I imagine he maybe didn't you know, have that written or figured out because there is a gap between the first and second book time-wise. But like if, if, if it had been flipped, like then the first book wouldn't have had that little bit that felt like it was tacked on at the end. The school would have wrapped up at the first, uh, end of the first book. And then the second book could have been like, yep, I have to leave now. Yeah. So that, that whole, like, the school thing both felt way too long getting away from it, but at the same time, not enough time focusing on the only real interesting part that actually happened during that all. You know, I think uh, a lot of... It should have been two books. Yeah, I don't know if maybe he took the, the, the Mary Sue criticism from the first book and said, you know what, I need to work some time into this early part of book two showing both failing at some stuff or, or making some boneheaded decisions or something like that. I don't know. I don't know there, what it that was. was. That was telegraphed in the first book though. Like, you, you know, based on who, mm-hmm. sort of, because the whole thing is told in flashback, right? So you know that present day Quoth looks back on this time as like, I, I was highly skilled. I was, I was very successful at a lot of stuff. But and I was an the, idiot. <laughs> but all of the outcomes of the things that I was really good at mm-hmm. didn't work out. Um, and, and he did need to show that. Um, but it's like a lot of is, I mean, the, the sort of common thread here is going to be that it should have all happened sooner. Right. Mm-hmm. Because, of course, he screwed up the relationship with what's her name. That should have happened sooner. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some some interesting stuff. I have a different uh, opinion of who I think Dena Denai Denui is now. I, I think that here's, she's here's just a the tragic part. I almost don't care, and that's sad. I and I and I don't. You're right. I don't really care about her anymore. But I do now have an interest in who her patron is. Yes, and I'm pretty sure that her patron is one of the Shandrian, and they're using her to get to him. I think maybe. So no, it would have been nice to get some of those breadcrumbs in this book. Yeah. All right. So we finish up at school. Finally, Quoth uh, has to take some terms off. So he ends up finding somebody that could be potentially a quasi patron, and he makes his way to uh, another country or province thing, a city by the name of Severim. Uh, a very different sort of hoity toity environment for the most part. And I appreciate the attempt at providing some flavor here. But we spent more time focusing on like boring social shit, uh, like the meaning and material science of fucking rings. 
than dealing with the major events that were sort of happening around it. Like the one thing that happened that was really interesting was the um, Alvaron's poisoning and why it was happening, but it let's completely abandoned, right? They abandoned it and sent Quoth off to do something else. Uh, and and it sort of resolved itself off screen. Yeah, that was a bit weird. I you know what I I I will disagree with you though. I did like the construct of the rings and what they meant because oh I did it, like it's there's there's too long too much. It, it it would be like you know spending sixteen chapters talking about their particular hats. type of currency in a yeah. particular, you know, part of the world and how it's different. Like there was, yeah, there was maybe a little bit too much. There's a, a it was like, you get the flavor of he's telling this story with sort of like the foreknowledge of what's going on. So you're getting bits at the beginning that he probably didn't figure out until later, I think. Right. And that, that hurts the story a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciate the the introduction of the flavor of it. I I didn't feel like it was too much. Um, Just that but, whole thing with like you know Alvron's arcanist that was that was poisoning him. You know, there were why? some yeah, but why? And you know, there was some thoughts initially that I had reading it was like, okay, is it that it's intentional or not? You know, is this a guy that's playing the part of an arcanist and doing it by accident because he's mixing stuff in a lead bowl? And then it's revealed, oh, no, it seems to be quite intentional. And then they made this guy out to be kind of clever for a moment, right? Where it's like, oh, he 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 does this thing where he, he changes the ingredients to the medicine and, and, and the Alvaron doesn't say anything about it. So he knows that, you know, he didn't actually have it. And that's when he takes off and, and you know, apparently killed some dudes they set up this really badass sort of side character i forget his name one of the like the the, the alvaron's muscle oh yeah i i, f- I have a feeling yeah. that's a, that's a uh, an rpg character that rothfuss has played somewhere else again yeah you know just sort of this tough guy that's like you know cutthroat he'll you know tear your arm off or whatever He's and it's not like subtle. He, he lost an eye dealing with the, the the arcanist and four other people were killed and i'm like fuck that would have been really nice to read that's it, it was a major um complaint that i had about the prequels of the star wars prequels um because i didn't like they weren't they weren't i didn't i don't hate them as much as most people my age do i think they're 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 okay yeah, i didn't but think the they focus were... on you know trade disputes and senate meetings and there was an awful lot of let's talk about interesting things that happened stop talking about them show me yeah Yeah. and that's that's that is a thing that does that does happen here yeah um and then like immediately it was just like oh i'm bored with this so we're gonna send quoth off to do something else this this bandit situation where it's like oh you're really excited to get him into this new situation and then we're gonna spend 726 chapters following a group of people going from unlikable to mildly likable as they bitch and groan and complain about walking through the woods for a year like you know it is just that the climax to that was fantastic and it happened in about five minutes yeah you know but everything that led up to it was just oh my god yeah you know and if it had been a couple of chapters of 
because I, I get it. It had like it was showing his progression from I don't know how to lead people to I'm learning how to lead people. Uh, and I think that that's important, but it was it but took too long. Took too long, but you could have you could have done something interesting in the middle yes. of it all just to break yes. it up, you know, like, yeah. uh, you know, have you, you had that one character? What was his name? Deden, Deden, uh, well, Deden, whatever, you know, who Dick. who was sort of the the thorn in everybody's side, and it really didn't turn into anything. Yeah, you know, uh, you, you'd set up this sort of weird kind of. The relationship with him and, and and the female character and oh you know it's sort of a uh shining a spotlight on how love works sometimes where you know neither one of them realizes the other person's in it and again that kind of resolved itself off screen yeah while uh both was dealing with the the fey and the the flurry and stuff so the things that would have been nice to have like you know set up and pay off the stuff that yeah. was set up while they were trudging through the woods, getting rained on, would have been yeah. nice if it paid off. The whole, like, learning how to track, it would have been nice if that paid off in some way, you know? I have to hope that it pays off in the future. I would like to point out that that whole uh, Dick and Jane romance is basically Ross and Rachel. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. And, I, you know, any of these individual components, these little things... I don't have a problem with an isolation, but just the way they were mashed together and the amount of just yeah. pure doldrum in there was just painful. Now, yeah. I, I think I'm going to disagree with you on this part. So that revolves itself. We get this nice climax where we see um, Quoth be a badass. Yep. And we, we, we really start to see the he's capable of these amazing things, but it's not something that like, he's in control of he can't plan for it it just it sort of happens in the moment yep. and this comes up a couple of times throughout this book and it was great it was like the last four pages of a chapter and they they hinted at that the one character was there was something familiar about him and then they just completely dropped it until the end uh-huh. you know the oh that's it was cinder or whatever the the one chandrian yeah yeah and it was just like they did they just didn't get there and then they kind of came back to it later in the book when it was just not important at all. That's you think I disagree with that? No, I no, no. I, I, I think that. the next part, the next part. Okay. I think uh, the Falurian stuff. I was actually mostly okay with this. Now, uh, disclaimer: there's some problems. Okay, this is there's a lot of problematic stuff in these books. The portrayal of female characters in general, especially in this book, I, I grew a little bit uncomfortable with it. Yeah. But the one character where you could do it and have it not feel wrong, for me at least, was the Falurian stuff. Mm-hmm. And the 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 fun little romp through the 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 Fae um i was okay with uh the introduction of the the weird tree thing seemed kind of tacked on i assume it's going to play a bigger part but it just sort of to me it just it it, it now it, it it lessens the chandrian and the stuff that you've set up before 
I think though that that's actually an homage to an actual um, legend. Of... Yeah, like it's Lovecraftian stuff, you know. And okay, write a write a short story about it or something like that. Shimming it into here, just felt like I don't get me wrong. I liked seeing the the flavor of the Fey, the idea that you know there's this this other part of the world that or world universe. Multiverse, universe whatever. whatever like it's very D, right like i'm running my mm-hmm. D campaign through uh through a bit of a fey wild romp now that's been going on for several months and I, I like these the idea of environments where like everything gets turned up to 11 emotions get turned up to 11 mood atmosphere you know even just the visual aesthetics of a place get all dialed up to 11 in very different ways welcome to avatar yeah. So in that aspect, the Fillurian stuff worked for me. The the character herself, the idea that she was this kind of siren type character, you know, just I get that there's a problem with it. Again, it has to do with her portrayal of of women. But also, you know, when I when I have questions or when I read stuff like this, one of the mental exercises I do is like, how well would this go over if the genders were reversed? Not well. No. You know, and it would have been like super vapey and you know, we we overlook it because it's like a fey female character and it does sort of play to those old archetypes like sirens and stuff and you know, don't think about it too much. Don't think about it too much. Despite that, that was the one character in the, the this book that I was okay with it leaning that way because it was different. It was Fay. The portrayal of women after this point in the book left a bad taste in my mouth. You almost wonder if Rothfuss went through some kind of a breakup at that point in his writing. Because it, it very much, that was the sort of after that was um, the point where he... Um, basically got he basically became a teenager at that point in his his behavior towards denna not just denna but like all the other like it was basically just you know what every woman that you've ever met is a whore yeah and that that was problematic for sure yeah and i i could have done without it like there's some aspects of you know we were it's still a coming of age story. Like yeah. we're seeing, seeing, you know, a boy turn into a man and that's a part of it. You know, relationships going from holding hands in the highway to an excuse to have a lot of sex to eventually growing out of that phase and growing up into real relationships. And and we're seeing him in the middle ground here, but How, was, well, here's a, here's a question. Here's a question because you do sort of need to show that because there is a behavior shift. And I, I like looking back on, on my personal history, there was definitely like, I went through that. Uh, like there is no doubt that in like my middle teen years and probably even into my mid twenties, I was an asshole. Um, oh, yeah. and I'm embarrassed by a lot of my behavior at that time in my life now, but how do you, how do you handle that in a way that isn't problematic? And that might be a bigger, bigger topic than we've got time for. He, he but I almost if you found the way. He almost found the way. Uh, and I'll get into that a little bit later. 
anyway, the, 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 the one thing I will say about the, the Fulurian stuff and the Fae stuff is that I will be more fine with it if it pays off eventually, maybe related to Bast. You know, yeah. you know, he's, 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 <gasps> Bast is his kid. I don't know. Maybe. Like that would be the obvious thing. It's probably yeah. too obvious, but maybe so. You know, if that's a setup to to something more there, again, it would have been nice nice to even just get nuggets of it. I would. I book, wonder but. if it's. I wonder if it's like what's that that time cop thing with um, Kung Fu: The Legend Continues. What's his name? Uh, he has the the power glove fist in the in those movies. Red oh Letter yeah, yeah. Did a couple yeah, of times. Yeah. Uh, and then his kid in. comes back and, and they, they, it's like, it's so super obvious is like, why do you have a gun? That's exactly like mine. Why do you twirl your gun? Exactly like me. Why do you, why do you say the thing that I always say? Oh, you, you must know my kid in the future. Right. I'm like, Oh mm-hmm. my God. Like, it's so obvious. Uh, I would like to say that um, I, I did mention that I thought the Fullerian stuff went on too long. I like the Felurian as a character. I, I really liked the way that that she was fleshed out from a sort of one-dimensional, I lure men in and have sex with them and kill them, to, um, like, it, it turns out that, like, like, yes, she's driven to do that, but she's also very lonely. And mm-hmm. there's the, he, I think he really delicately handled the dichotomy of like, she's extremely old, ancient, in fact, and mm-hmm. at the same time, kind of innocent. Yes. Right. Which was an interesting sort of, uh, relationship to have with someone who is very young and also quite innocent. Um, and I don't, I don't know if it's explicitly stated that Quoth is a virgin when he meets Valerian, but it's, it's pretty very clear. It's very yeah. heavily implied, if not actually stated. Yeah. You know, and the the one thing that they they kind of worked for me in that is the the setup of like if you if you look at Valerian initially as that situation starts, like you know he's the the villain of that little arc. Yep, and through a combination of of wit and and charm, charm slash whatever, like he manages to you know, like that that would be a good lesson for D and D, right? Like if you're playing D and D, you don't need to go in have you know meet the siren and and hit her with an axe or, or yeah. fireball, right? Like there was there was this it was a puzzle that needed to be solved, and then lucked his way through kind of figuring it out again we get to see that aspect of him where it's like oh i have abilities that i can tap into but like it's almost this this crutch for me that like it's my last resort kind of thing i'm not in control i don't seem to be able to do it on demand but like when shit gets real there's this aspect of me that takes over and we're not sure if this aspect of him is actually very good or not you know, yeah. You know. Anyway, I think that like, and, and like the next part I'm going to talk about, like to me, there should have been an entire book that was both romps through the Fae, and you know we could have explored more about Fillerine. We could have explored other aspects of the Fae, learn a little bit more about this tree or whatever. Like that could have been a book. That almost feels like a fanfic uh, to a certain extent, but I think. 
the same thing is kind of true about most of the aspects of this book. So after the Faye thing, uh, he comes back, he meets the, the, the three people that he was, four people he was traveling through the woods with, realizes that by convincing the one of them to teach him some things uh, about his sort of, it was basically, you know, his the creed. Book yeah, we're 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 Quoth gets to, you know, become a Tibetan monk for for a book, right? Like this kind oh, of thing. Tapping he's, into He's a Mandalorian now. Yeah. So anyway, the the setup is that he realizes that this one person who he thought he drew out in, into becoming a bit of a friend and and convincing him to share knowledge with him, he's actually put him in a really tough spot where he's probably in a lot of trouble. So he does the heroic thing and he's like, "Well, I have all of this shit going on, but like, will it be better for you if I go home with you and help you deal with this stuff? And his friend is like, yeah, yeah, that would, that would probably help. And he gets immersed in this entirely different culture, obviously influenced, like it becomes Kung Fu for a little while. It really does. It really does. And again, if that were a book in and of itself and it was properly fleshed out with climaxes and mini climaxes and a whole bunch of stuff like that would be a great book i have a point to make here i would like to okay. go back to the quote that you read from the first book i don't know if you have it handy but it it basically worked out too it was really hard it was the hardest thing i've ever done it took me like almost 20 minutes or whatever mm -hmm. it took me most of the afternoon yeah it took me most of the afternoon yep this whole thing, it's like, I have learned to become a master of a martial art. I, I've done this and I've uh, ascended to the challenges and I've passed the test and I can now go out into the world and represent, you know, I've got my black belt. It took two months. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Ridiculous. And I mean, they did, a, uh, like, I think they did a really good job of like, yes, he was a quick learner, but like he, he didn't become a master. You know, he still had like a 10 year old girl kicking his ass and, and that was fine. Like, I think they, they walked that line of like, he's talented and gifted and like he can come so far in a couple months and that's amazing. But he's got a very, very long way to go. But the this... problem, the problem with the two months thing is that it's not so much that like, here's the thing, right? He's super talented. He's a Mary Sue. We've, we've established that and I'm okay with that. He can learn to do the stuff in in the two months i, I mm -hmm. don't have an objection to that the objection i have is that they're letting him back out into the world after two months right you cannot absorb the lore the the discipline the wisdom of of the path that he is supposed to be on mm -hmm. in two months and that's why cannot be, you know another reason why this should have been a book like yes you know, make it not be two months and i know you oh well we got the rest of the story we got to get to no Fucking put the rest make of the story it, yeah, on hold. Make it, a, make it a seven book series. Like, you know, they're good enough. Yep. And instead of fleshing it out with a repetitive crap, and this goes back to what I said about like the rings from the, the Mayor Alvaron stuff, like the, 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 again, trying to paint a, a picture of a culture and, and all the time they spent uh, talking about the, uh, the Edemic language and the Lithani and, and the Catan and, like that just got repetitive, huh? repetitive, repetitive, repetitive. And then as we are getting close to the end of that, then like way, way too much time with him getting 
punched by and then sleeping with women of varying ages. Like, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I did. There's a, okay. So I'm, I'm a big fan of Robert Heinlein's sort of middle body of work. Um, And one of the books, especially as a teenager that I really appreciated for a large number of reasons was stranger in a strange land. Um, which was about a Martian, I think, that came to Earth. It's been a, any, anyone who's listening who is familiar with the book. I'm, I I don't remember it well enough to talk about it a lot. But one of the things that I do remember as a major theme is just the idea that, especially North Americans' uh, attitude towards a lot of the social mores that we've established mm-hmm. are silly. Mm-hmm. Like, why are we monogamous? Is like personally, I'm happy being monogamous, largely because I don't have enough energy to satisfy one woman, let alone more than one. Um, but there's no particular reason why we should be, other than you know somebody wrote it down in a book one time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I did kind of appreciate the using that as a, a sort of uh, storytelling marker for. These people are absolutely different. This is a different society. They think differently. They they emote differently, and that's that's a really good way because it's it's one of the things that we we uh, sort of use as a foundational belief is mm-hmm. this is how sex works, right? You must first enter into some kind of a courtship. It must last a minimum of three weeks, and then you know you have to lay down in a bed with a sheet between you until you're lawfully married mm-hmm. by some old man who has sworn an oath of celibacy. So I appreciated the, Hey, you know what? Like we're just, it's just a thing. Like it's just a thing that we do. Cause I know that you want to, I want to, you want to, why don't we? And I was mostly fine with it. I thought it was a good, interesting look at a culture. It was definitely a good contrast to the stuff that was going on in uh, Severin with, you know, the, the, the mayor court courting, you know, his, his would be yeah. wife and, you know, all of the, the, the formality and, and theater involved in that process. Yeah. Like it, it was, it was a refreshing contrast to it. And I, I really could have dug it if the rest of the book didn't basically shout out women are whores and here's this place where oh no 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 don't worry about it it's okay they're okay with it you know like it felt more as an excuse to to sort of continue that than it and and like oh we can we can have quoth sort of experiencing his, his sexuality and and stuff in an environment where you can't say that it's bad and terrible that he's sleeping with a ton of women because this culture's okay with that and it's normal. Like if 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 they'd have done that, and 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 maybe it was just one woman woman his uh, his trainer. Um, I forget her name. Yeah. Anyway, if it was just the the one his teacher, mm-hmm. um, and the sort of awkward conversation that they had afterwards about him being a little bit jealous about the idea of her spending time with somebody else. And that's how we explored that sort of cultural aspect of, of the Adam where, you know, they just don't look at sex the same way we do. That would have been great, you know, but the fact that like slept with her and then slept with uh, the other, uh, the younger 
girl i can't remember her name right afterwards and then like i was just like are you gonna sleep with the 10 or 12 year old kid that's been kicking your ass too because like that's that's where you're going they're like nope nope we're gonna get him out of here now you know it just ah i i appreciated like the painting the picture of the culture and exploring ideas that were different and and through that shining a light on some of the stuff that's weird about our own culture, right? The way, the way we look at things like sex and, and some um, of the ways that we're just monogamy versus polygamy or whatever, right? Like that would have worked great if there wasn't the extra baggage along with it. That's just, it it just, yeah. Yeah. I had a bad taste in my mouth already. The, 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 you know, the, the revelation that we got the little bit of, I don't know if he's drawing conclusions with that scene with, um, Denna, where she went oh, in, he absolutely and, you know, is. like, like, is she a madam? Is she, she actually a, a, a whore? Like, we don't know. We're asking these questions, but you know, uh, he explicitly I, used the word whore in uh, in sort of the inner dialogue. Quoth was using there. We jumped from that to Flurian, and then we jumped to this. There's, there is no doubt in my mind that that was heavily implied in the first book. Because mm-hmm. she's she's on her own with absolutely no no way to support herself, and she's I mean she is walking out with a bunch of of different mm-hmm. uh, men of means. Um, if if she's not uh, at very least teasing them, she is not necessarily sleeping with them for money, but mm-hmm. she is is with them in order to live, right? Mm-hmm. And I I really would like to think that there's no shame in that, but there's no doubt that our society paints it in our minds that, oh, well, she's now a woman of low character, which is ridiculous, mm-hmm. right? Because what else is she supposed to do, right? Those are the skills she's got. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, I, like, I, I don't look at that as a shameful thing. I mean, you could, they don't call it the, the oldest profession for, for no reason, yeah. you know, and I don't, uh, whatever. Sex work is work. Uh, I I think I, I'm okay with exploring that with her as a character. She is definitely a a strong personality type character. Yeah. She is no doubt a con woman. No oh doubt. yeah, like you know, I mean, the the immediate parallel that jumps to my mind is the the Irene Adler character. Yes, right? it's a good parallel, I think. And, um, from Sherlock Holmes, for those who don't know, yeah, 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 from from Sherlock. It just, it, it it started a ball rolling and then like there were, there were some things that if you'd have dodged and, and not been so explicit in everything that kind of followed up afterwards, it wouldn't have left the bad taste in my mouth, but I couldn't appreciate the rest of the stuff because I had such a bad taste in my mouth from, from jumping There's... right from that stuff with Denna to jumping right into the Fillerian stuff then jumping right into this culture of people that just sleep with everyone and they're fine with it it just it it became problematic from a like okay what is the author doing here again it wasn't a big problem from the story aspect it's it's more like oh jesus i've i've really liked patrick rothfuss outside of these books for a long time and i've had these books on my radar forever and i'm finally getting to it and now i'm looking at him and it's just that kind of thing where i just gotta 
Maybe yes, maybe no. There's an interesting thing that happens a lot of times. There was a series of books that my wife and I were reading, uh, and I, I don't remember the author. Um, she's she's very talented. She wrote some great stories, and they were they were a little bit like Harlequin romances, but with more story and less romance. If that makes any sense, quasi fantasy, like Tanya Huff or, or Joanne Burton. Uh, no, by chance? no, no, okay. no. She's a, a lesser known person, I think. Um, she was writing about like sort of regular people in the real world in like the southern sort of Louisiana, um, you know, Missouri, that kind of area of the mm-hmm. world. Um, and it was it was it was stories of sort of personal relationships. It was just like real life stuff. Um, think Prince of Tides, but with like way less drama. Uh, just regular people doing regular stuff, meeting regular people doing regular stuff. And it was interesting enough. Right. Like there was there was some uh, there was some sort of regular world drama, but it was it was well enough written that it was entertaining to read. Right. And book one was like that. And book two was like that. And then book three was 100 percent wall to wall sex, which I mean, I was like, okay, like she's a good she's she's, she's a good author. She's clever with words. I mean, it's pretty sexy stuff. I'm kind of enjoying it. but. This is not why I'm reading the book. And it didn't occur to me until you started talking about it that literally like there was like the first book, there was a little bit of like almost like like grade six and seven type, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, maybe we're going to steal a kiss type description of, of how people are interacting. You You have behind the scenes, like behind closed doors, we know people are having sex, but we don't we don't need to like bring it out into the light and shine a spotlight on it right we're not describing it we're not talking about it because we don't need to it's part of the story and it's mm-hmm. i mean it's an important part of, important part of human nature so we know it happens and we're okay with that but we don't we don't need to do it on main street right and yeah, then and in I'm... book 2 it's like let's let's spend 50 chapters talking about sex mm-hmm. graphically and and I'm like I'm okay with that like in in reasonable doses like you know I have no problem sure. with you know nudity in my movies I don't you know I'm not yeah it's fine yeah, but like, sex, but you sex know is what human but, but it just seemed it like necessary? there was is it necessary well okay that's one part of it and is there baggage attached to it and it just felt that there was some sort of like judgment baggage that was attached to the way this stuff was written. Yeah, you maybe know, so. Just like I, I, I'm fine if you know, he, he, like there was some aspects of it that like I didn't have a problem with. For instance, when he came out of the 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 fay after the Felurian thing, and he ran into the woman at the Penny Pennyworths Penny whatever that the inn bar. was that road size inn, yeah. the one that had like flirted with him initially, uh-huh. and he was all awkward child, and then he came out of that, you know. A man. Oh, we can tell. He has a glow about him. But, you know, the, the, the idea that, like, he was uncomfortable and, and, you know, this blushing little, little you know, uncomfortable boy. And yep. then at the end of it, after this experience with Florian, he was, yeah, um, yeah, uh, I'll show you what I can man. do. A man. And, yeah. you know, they, 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 you know, a little bit of writing about that little slap and tickle or whatever. I would have been fine with that because there was some setup. There was some payoff. 
we're we're painting the picture that Quoth is growing up and he's in a new phase in yes. his life where this is a part of but it. We don't need a play by play. We can do, you know, you go behind a veil and it happens and we know it happened and you come out and then you can talk about it a bit. We, we don't, we don't need you to, you know, thrust his tongue into her sweaty armpit. We don't need that level of descriptiveness. And, and I appreciate that with the Falurian stuff, like there was some sort of physical descriptiveness about like the body and, and like the descriptions of the character. He didn't get overly descriptive with the acts. Like it almost felt like a weird parallel to the, the, the martial arts aspect of the Adam stuff where they had, you know, the, 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 the names for the, the maneuvers and the positions and the part of the Catan. And if you go back and, and look at what the, the Flurian stuff was, it was almost identical, right? Like this is the, you know, crawling kiss and this is the, you know, snow blowing in the wind. And this is the, I don't know. That, that was fine. Yep. That's fine. fine. Set, I don't want poetry, to talk about it. Poetry as sex is fine. Yeah, that's fine. Last thing I want to talk about before wrapping this section up is sort of the next section of the book, which to me was my favorite part of the book. It was short. I can tell it was probably like all of these probably started as a short story that he mashed together, but he didn't didn't feel the need to pad this one out. And that was after coming back from Adam. It was abrupt because it's like, ooh, there's 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 a troop and wagons on the road. And immediately we're like, Something's going on because he's 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 acting weird about these guys. Turns out that they're they're not a troop; they're bandits, and they've they've uh, kidnapped, abducted these two girls, and obviously did not treat them very well. I appreciate that he didn't get into yes the details of of whatever sexual acts taken place there was implied subtly. That these girls were not treated very well, and we got to see Kvoth in a digestible, well-paced few chapters be the hero. Not that he did anything particularly crazy. I mean, yeah, he killed a bunch of these bandits, but he 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 made good choices, heroic choices, uh-huh. and we got to see that aspect of him. He he killed the bandits rescued the girls managed to pull one of them out of the shock that she was in so we got to see some of the academic aspect of of him recognizing that situation he gets to the town he realizes that you know he's not getting the 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 parade coming in because people are wary of him there and rather than him just you know walking off in a huff you see him exploring the situation and realize oh no these people actually you know experienced some loss and they're all reacting to this trauma that happened in their own way. And he learns some stuff from this, this sort of backwater doctory type character that uh-huh. sets something up and he realizes, Oh shit, you know, the, the, the college education I have isn't the be all and end all. Uh, he, he sort of recognizes that while he was doing good things, he, he, did awful things to resolve the situation he was willing to turn himself in so that these people weren't you know having to pay the price for his actions and of course it's like a cowboy movie at that point right you know he he leaves town you know and and everybody's like go on you did the right thing and you know turning a blind eye to murder because murder can be right and that was sort of the message of that like you know 
the 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 doctor nan character i think they called her old nan or whatever you know they made it clear you know like sometimes there's a limb that needs to be cut off and sometimes there's people that need killing yep and then that that was done like that was a short story in the middle of the book and it was fantastic and if the rest of the book was paced like that i would have loved it the rest of the book could be paced like that you just have to cut out about 50 chapters yeah literally about a third of the book needs to be cut for pacing reasons yeah so anyway i've i've griped i've pointed out my my obvious concerns and and disappointments in this book on the whole it was still worth reading and i will definitely read the third book when it comes out probably going to take a bit of a break before i read there's a couple of short stories slash novellas uh one was part of a like a anthology compilation thing so it wasn't published just as itself and i'll dig them up and read them it looks like one of them is is involves the um ari character which is interesting that would be interesting yeah i'd like to know where she came from um so in suggesting another book for us to read i had suggested uh Stephen Brust, uh, a series of book uh, starting with Jerig. Um, you you brought up the whole idea of of padding things out, and there is. I do not. I absolutely do not want to start you there, but there is a book called The Phoenix Guard that he wrote as an experiment, uh, in the style of. I forget. I think it's the guy who wrote Don Quixote, but it was around that point. Uh, but it was at the point where authors had a patron um, where it's like, I, I, you, you will, you know, sort of support me and I will write. Um, but the deal that he had made was he was paid by the word. So it, it is the most convoluted, like expansive. And at the same time, incredibly incredibly entertaining because of the way that the words are structured um so i really want you to read that book it's called the phoenix guard but i don't want you to read it until after you've read uh the uh, most of the most of the, the stephen Bruce books are short mm-hmm. um and i think that they're fast they're they're well paced i think that you will enjoy them a bunch uh, maybe not for next week, but maybe the following week we should uh, look yeah, at reading Yeah, I'm, I'm going to take a few weeks off from reading just so that I can get through Baldur's Gate and then Starfield's coming out and Cyberpunk. So it's <sighs> one thing. Hey, you know what? It says something that I've only got like 30 hours into Baldur's Gate because I've got however many hours into Hundreds. reading these two books, right? Yeah. No, it's it's fine. Take a break. I don't I don't have an objection to that. But you know, we don't need to do a book report every week. No. Well, we got two episodes now, so you know we're gonna have to fill up something. Hey, uh, we have a pod bag message from Ian. Uh, should should shift the tone a little bit. Let's get into that. got mail i love the way ian introduces his questions he should probably just be on the show he should. We, should 
We need a guest. We need to do an episode where we have a guest where we bring Ian on and just interview him. I've I've asked. We'll get him there one day. All right. Alcohol All right. will be involved. <laughs> uh, Ian's question. Uh, this particular question has had me sleepless for many nights. Of course it has. <laughs> you are pitted against a kangaroo in a bare-knuckle boxing match. No rules, biting and eye-gouging are allowed, etc. How do you think you would fare, and what strategies would you employ to dominate slash survive? I mean, have you ever actually seen a kangaroo in a fight? Like, <laughs> you're hooped. Like, there's no... There is there is no dominating a kangaroo in a fight. Do you fight. remember, uh, like, 10 years ago, it was a thing where, like, everybody was sharing videos of just, like, these super jacked kangaroos. There was the yep. one that scared the shit out of everybody where it was just, like, seeing its reflection in a window outside. So it was just throwing itself against this window and then just, like, <laughs> flexing. <laughs> this thing was just super jacked. It was abs for days. I mean, there's uh, there are there are multiple different species of kangaroos, so there are some that I'm pretty sure that I could do okay with as long as I could get a grip on them. Yeah. But like, there are some kangaroos that are like three and three hundred and fifty pounds or something. Like they're big animals. Um, do you remember that there was a video that went around of a guy who sprayed himself with uh, um, with like stag piss and put on football gear to go and and fight a deer. Oh, oh yeah. I think I remember it. Yeah, it was going. It was a thing like on on like early YouTube, yeah. uh, and it's it's just hilarious because he just I mean he gets wailed on, and that's that's the thing is like any time that you you ask, and especially if you ask young men, like do you think that you could go in a bare knuckle fighting match with a bear? Oh yeah, man, I could probably. <laughs> yeah, that was no. That was a survey that happened this year. I don't know if it went out on Twitter or something, but it was like millions of people that responded to it and they broke down by demographic and country and like the number of Americans yeah. percentage wise that thought they could take a, like a bear, a grizzly bear in a fight versus nope. any nope. other country in the world was staggering. Like, listen, Mike Tyson against a, an anemic and, and nearly dying grizzly bear is going to die like and it's not even close yeah like i'm not sure that i could take a rabbit in a fight have i told the story on the podcast of the night of the weekend that i proposed to my wife yes i have yeah. so here's the thing i'm in a tent there's a raccoon outside raccoon cute cuddly little masky thing i was scared shitless right and i at this point i was i was 205 pounds six percent body fat I was working out this this animal that probably weighed 40 pounds. I was terrified. And and that was a wise decision on my part because that thing would have I mean it wouldn't have killed me, but I would if have been If it wasn't hurt. in the process of being eaten by both a fox and a raccoon at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Probably could have took you in a fight. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it's nuts. Anyway, animals There's, are scary, yo. Yeah. Yeah. Could have been worse. It could have happened when Brian and I were out on the lake. We weren't there to protect you. <laughs> mm. Catch a catfish, I will. 
so oh my god we went up camping so th- this is all the same trip where we talked about his his air pump bear in the middle of the night story what we didn't talk about in a previous episode was it was this, this place called grundy lake which was like a quarry lake yeah so it's not very big uh and i took my canoe up on the roof of my car and and our friend brian and i went out fishing one day and like there's catfish and that's it like little itty bitty catfish in this lake it's a quarry lake I'm right not even sure they were catfish they might have been some kind of chubby they're, they're little mud, mud cats but yeah for some reason we decided we were going to spend the entire time talking like yoda <laughs> mm, catch a fish i will mm. trying to get these slimy catfish off of our, our, our lines and release them and it didn't occur to us until we were pulling the canoe back in that basically we were in this large amphitheater <laughs> it wasn't like this, even large entire i mean rock you, I, I, i'm pretty sure i could throw a rock across the entire thing that's how small it is it was a little bigger than that but let's just Not say much. our voices carried and this wasn't <laughs> like middle of nowhere like it was a campground so you know there were dozens of people besides our party in this place and and they were all watching brian and i row this canoe in just being fucking idiots like after two hours of just (laughs) 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 yeah we were we were listening to you for a while it was great (laughs) uh anyway back to kangaroos Mm, fight a kangaroo i will no you won't i i think i'd have to do the the star wars uh solution to this problem do you remember the terrible uh enhanced what, what do they call it enhanced edition special edition when they re-released it and there was the scene in the first movie where they took the footage that was supposed to be jabba the hut and, and Han. oh and they they walked over top <laughs> Because it yeah. wasn't actually, you know, a big slug creature. Like, it was just a dude wearing, like, fur, right? Yep. And they, the scene where Harrison Ford, where Han walks around him, they just, like, just the worst CGI, if you've never seen it, had him step on CGI Jabba's tail, because the tail would have been in the way, preventing him from walking on it. And, you know, Jabba makes, makes his face, and, you know, that's a scene. Like, it just... Don't put it in the movie. But the whole walking around and trying to step on the tail yep. probably be your only chance against a kangaroo. It, it, the trouble is, is that kangaroos, when they fight, they sort of lean back on their tail, right? And they're actually standing on their tail and they'll just turn to face you wherever you go. So well, getting behind have him to, will be the trick. Getting behind him, if you can get behind him, get on the tail and just wrap around the neck and pull him back. Like your 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 only chance to, to subdue him because you're not going to take a kangaroo in a fight. You don't, you know, and it isn't the punching. Like everybody thinks boxing with kangaroos, it's the kicking, man. Like, oh yeah, the the they fight like I, cats. I don't know what the the like foot pounds of 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 force, like calculating it in kilonewtons, that a kick from a kangaroo will knock you unconscious. It will. I wouldn't be surprised if it would break your femur if they kicked you in, in the femur. Like, it's it's that hard of a kick. Well, It would certainly it would... break your knees. It would certainly oh, yeah. break your shins. Uh, it would 
you know, break it in such a way that like, you know, it's, it's not, Ooh, this is bruised or it's broken. Like you've got bones protruding from your, your body. Well, think about this. Like if you imagine, like imagine a, like a, a smallish kangaroo is a hundred pounds. Right. And you see, see sort of movies of them uh, racing across the outback. Like they're jumping 30 feet. Yeah. They're well, their legs are basically springs like the, the yeah. sort of evolutionary engineering behind kangaroos is pretty remarkable. But everything that applies to them jumping applies to them kicking. Exactly. They big muscles, yo. Get themselves thrown back on their tail and just... Kaboom. Like, yep. Like, it's worse than... What is it? Emus? Emus that kick, right? Well, ostriches kick, too. But ostriches... ostriches. The, the thing you have to worry about an ostrich is that it, it kicks you with the big clawed feet. Yeah. Ossuaries are dangerous. That's the ones that I'm thinking of. Ossuaries. Yeah. Yeah. A kangaroo, they, they're not going to lacerate you the same way the birds would, but like the, the, the force oh. of the kick is, is going to be a hundred times stronger. It's going to be a lot. Yeah. So uh, the short answer, Ian, how do you uh, think you'd, or how do you think you'd fare and what strategies would you employ? I would try to get on its tail and sort of wrap my arms around its neck. I would fail and I would die. And you would probably have a hard time identifying the corpse afterwards. Um, I think my, my strategy would be to outrun Shane. That's right. <laughs> you don't got to be the fastest. You just got to not be the slowest. That's right. <laughs> All right. Uh, Telson, you have the parting gifts for this. I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Anybody want I do, and the first one I th I have two, and I think I've mentioned the first the first one previously, which mm -hmm. is uh, a YouTube channel called Smarter Every Day. Uh, Destin is a super smart redneck. You should go and learn some stuff from him, uh, or with him. Really, is what the mm -hmm. thing is, because he goes and figures out stuff and brings you along for the ride, which is a lot of fun. Yeah, he does a lot of different stuff on his channel. I would probably recommend starting with the supersonic baseball video series that he does yeah um and then just yeah. working your way out from there he anything some, to do with ballistic gel is great yeah he he did a, a crossover series with uh another channel that we've probably recommended stuff made here uh with the uh gun gun powder powered like baseball bats and golf clubs and stuff yeah um he did some stuff with mark rober about golf clubs too as i recall yeah he's, he's he does a lot of crossover stuff but his like his stuff in general is just fantastic i wholeheartedly agree check him out he goes down some interesting rabbit holes too um he's he's definitely got that southern culture in him and um it it's How do I want to say this? I, I, I'm not trying to say it in any way that is negative at all. There's, there's just a, a way that he interacts with people. Like uh, there, there was a series that he did on carburetors that had his dad in it. And seeing him in a garage with a like a, a, a plexiglass carburetor that he's made or acrylic carburetor. And his interactions with his dad where it's just, yes, sir. Or, yes, sir. It, there's, it's yeah, there's very a, different. It is. It is different. The the thing I like especially about it is that he will start off with. I mean, he 
he very, very subtly interjects the scientific method into his videos where he starts with, this is what I think. Let's go test it. Well, it turns out I was wrong. Um, and it's it's neat to to watch him go through that. So I have another one. Um, I have I have been having some issues sleeping uh, recently. I have a, a issue with insomnia that pops up every once in a while. And the way that I deal with that is that I watch Bob Ross videos on YouTube. Um, so I highly recommend you, you check it out. Like there is an official Bob Ross YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. uh, most of the stuff from his PBS days is on there. There's a few of his uh, instructional videos, which are well worth watching if you want to paint or if you don't. He's just great to listen to. He's uh, super positive about everything, which is uh, something that the world desperately needs. Um, uh, but the thing I wanted to say is is actually a sort of commentary on his art, because Bob Ross is not a great artist. He's good. He's very mm -hmm. good. He's talented. He uh, he's a he's a great teacher, um, but his grasp of color, uh, perspective, and sort of uh, the the layout that he does with his paintings, almost off the cuff, uh, is is really impressive. And the fact that he does it in twenty eight minutes, mm -hmm. um, like he became famous for a reason, and it's because he can he can show you things while he's doing stuff. It's very fast. Um, He's a clever artist. Like if you want to watch he somebody is. paint where you see a whole bunch of like just entry level sort of techniques yep. for, you know, everything from brushing and dry brushing to, to using knives and, and scrapers and, and stuff. You want to see him beat the devil out of it. And that is the make best a bunch part. Of, bunch of happy little accidents. Yep. We watch yourself some mistakes. broad Oh yeah, he's absolutely worth a watch. Whether whether you want to go to sleep or whether you've just smoked a giant spliff and you need something to mellow out with, That's don't the best don't time. recommend it. I don't uh, don't recommend the the thing with the the stuff. But if you happen to partake of those things, then go do it and watch Bob Ross. It's a good combination. Well, Tussin, we managed to get through it. I haven't fallen out of my chair yet. <laughs> it's been close a couple of times. It's been close. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, hey, we got we got under the influence for really probably the first time on any of these episodes. Because I'm I'm a little bit wobbly as well. Be responsible, kids. Yes. Not driving. I'm walking up the stairs and going to bed. <laughs>